The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome to Afternoons with Mike, and I am with today someone that it's so exciting to talk with. I saw him last year. He is the now senior pastor of the famous Moody Church in Chicago, and last year's breakfast with Pastor Erwin Lutzer, they did kind of a handoff meeting where both of you spoke, and I'm talking about Pastor Philip Miller. Now, I've got to say, first of all, welcome to my program. <laughs> thanks thanks for having me, Mike. It's great to be here. We've already had a few laughs about this, remembering last year. But at that breakfast, that was, you know, I, I, I mentioned to you that you should know it. You should never follow in the footsteps of a legend. They say <laughs> that that's one of the hardest jobs in the world. But you, someone talked you into it. Yeah, well, you know, someone's <laughs> got to do it, right? I mean, these are... Uh, any ministry that's large is established has a has a strong following those are the most important organizations to to hand off well um but they're always vulnerable in those transitions and um but somebody's got to do it right and so i'm glad it's um, you well the lord was really kind in in uh, making it very very clear i i remember stepping in saying yes and i felt total peace but that was only on the heels of much you know, trepidation and prayer, just sort of going, good grief, who would sign up for this? Yeah. Um, who, who comes in to try to, to take over for Erwin Lutzer? This, this is a suicide mission, right? Well, he's and, been around um, for so long that's and right. his Beloved. voice. And, you know, I got to know Erwin back in 19, 2019 and uh, shared a dinner at, now, I don't know if you've been to Florida, but we have Sonny's Barbecue. And we're out at this incredible Sonny's Barbecue restaurant in Gainesville. And what I, what happened, I was totally unprepared for. It was the Irwin Lutzer Comedy Hour. <laughs> and it was one joke after another. He had the servers in stitches that night. <laughs> that sounds just like him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I just didn't. I mean, I, I almost couldn't eat because I was laughing so hard all night long. But then last year, just to pay... Do respect to you. Here you are. You're being introduced at last year at the NRB last year. Uh, I thought you just uh, stood up in that moment and and did such a marvelous job. Oh. So again, I know they are excited for you at Moody. And then I guess the big news that you we're sharing now about this weekend on the Moody Church Hour here that we carry on the Shepherd, they're going to be. Featured, featuring you. Yeah, who would have ever thought? Wow. Yeah, so I've actually been at Moody Church now for four years, and so that transition has gone really, really well. I, I'm so grateful to Pastor Lutzer. He's super supportive of me and very kind, loves my family well. They've kind of adopted our kids as sort of extended grandkids, if you will, and they, they're just a huge blessing to our family, and so that's been that's been wonderful. I try to uh, make sure to honor him whenever I can, because he's he's just such a hero of mine. 
and uh, but that's been it's been four years now, and so we're we're finally catching up some of the the radio yeah. ministry pieces. Of course, we had COVID. Remember that? Oh yeah, that, that kind of uh, threw... very very bad <laughs> flu, that yeah. uh, sickness, and that a lot of people blame China. Yeah. <laughs> All those things. So you know that disrupted some of our plans and timeline. Yeah. But but now we're kind of migrating some of the radio stuff. So the Moody Church Hour actually began under uh, Warren Wearsby, Pastor Warren Wearsby at the Moody Church, and then it migrated to Pastor Lutzer, and now it's migrating uh, to me. And so actually last Sunday, uh, they had like a hinge uh, episode, if you will, for the for the broadcast um, that was my installation. So we yeah. had a big thing at the church, and Pastor Lutzer gave a charge to me, and I received it. We had some of our friends in town just to speak words of blessing and kindness over the, over the moment. And so that was a really special broadcast. And then this coming Sunday will be my very first official uh, Moody Church Hour where I'm, I'm the primary preacher. So we're starting a new series in Ephesians called Alive in Christ, and we're looking forward to it. That is so exciting. And you mentioned Warren Wearsby because back in the early 70s when I was in Indiana and was in radio, you know, he was on our station then and... You know, you're right. When you think about the storied legends that have been in this very popular church, I just had on James Spencer from the D.L. Moody hmm. Center. Yep. He was yep. uh, just on uh, not long ago. And there are so many people that look to you as, as the, the church, look to the Moody Church, even though they've never lived in Chicago. They know all <laughs> sure. about it. They feel like there's a certain part of them at that church when they listen. And that's because of Warren and because of Irwin, now because of you. Well, I don't know how much I'm a part of that, but I'm glad to be a part of this, you know, incredible um, work that God's been doing, a story he's been writing in Chicago since 1864, which is a long time. Yeah, it's It's a long time. So it's interesting. I grew up uh, in the Cleveland area and um, I'm the oldest of six kids. And so one of the things that um, my parents needed in the evenings was just peace and quiet. So they put us all to bed early. And as the oldest one, I struggled the most with that. The young ones fell right to sleep, but I couldn't sleep right away. And my mom said, well, you can do two things. You can, you can read books or you can listen to Christian radio. And mm. so I'm an auditory guy. I like learning that way. And so I turned on Christian radio and I listened to sermons and programs on the radio during much of my teenage years. And what's amazing, um, Mike, is what God did in that through radio in my life was amazing. It was part of my formation. It's how I learned what it meant to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Those deposits all the time were shaping me. It shaped my sense of calling to ministry. Like, so I, to the power of radio and, and the, the platform that Moody has been, like I've always revered these things. And so um, to be invited in is just really sweet um, because I know that I know the impact that that's there. I was one of them. You were one of them. And it really falls in line with faith comes by hearing. And I think, you know, for obviously for millennia, the hearing of the word of God came from speakers and preachers and pastors of churches like yourself. And the advent of radio doesn't and it never did replace the church. It should never have replaced the church because it's not the church, but it is the conveyor of the word of God. And right. it still puts the spoken message out. And that is so effective. And I'm grateful that in this day, in 2024, 
it's still doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, Jesus shows all these parables. You know, he talks about the sower throwing the seed. And he just sort of of flings it, you know, out into, on different kinds of soil. Some are receptive, some are not. But it's, it's a widespread distribution of the seed because you never quite know where it's going to take root and grow and flourish and multiply. And so the principle, I think, and this is perfect for radio, is we, we want to sow the seed of the gospel as wide as we can to as many hearts and in as many homes and as many little bedrooms where a 14-year-old boy is like wrestling with a sense of calling in life. Like, that's where we need the gospel. We need it in all those places. And there are places that radio can go and nobody else can go. Yeah, right? That's so, so true. To be a part of that and to be able to be a contributor to that gospel spread, wow, what a gift. I just had an interview yesterday with a marvelous leader who is getting the word out to Iran through radio. Hmm. And that word is going out through satellite radio. So the same thing that has been happening from the Moody pulpit, it, it is happening through radio into countries, just like you said, where it could never, ever have gone before. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And and it's even more secure than other mediums, right? Because if you use a computer, they can trace your IP address and stuff. But radio is untraceable. That's right. It's untraceable. So the power of radio internationally, especially in closed countries and things like that, to get the gospel to places where no one else can go. It is so it's unparalleled. Yeah. It's unparalleled. What did you do before going to Moody? Four yeah. years ago. Yeah. So I was a senior pastor in Olympia, Washington for seven years. And then prior to that was uh, an associate pastor for three years uh, in the Chicagoland area. And then prior to that, um, I was a seminary student and a pastoral intern. I worked with Chuck Swindoll a little bit in Texas and went to Dallas Theological Seminary. So I was getting all my training and things like that. So, so you went, did you go to Southwest ba- Baptist Theological Seminary? I, I, actually, Dallas Theological oh, Seminary. D- uh, D- Dallas. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Wonderful. And that's something that um, Pastor Lutzer and I have in common. We, yeah. we actually love talking about our seminary experiences, some of the same buildings. It's pretty amazing, the, the legacy there, you know. That's really great. And you've come back to Chicago. <laughs> now, this is a very difficult time for all ministries in the United States. The stuff that's happening with the election this year. What, what are your thoughts as you look toward what it's going to be like ministering to Moody in 2024? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. Every every couple years we have another we have another election, and it seems like the temperatures rise and people get polarized and they start, you know, really um, getting combative. All those things and it, it, politics matter. I we all need a vote. We've been given a, a beautiful vote to steward. It's part of our responsibility as Christians to use that wisely. Um, I, I think my heart for my people is uh, that we keep our priorities and hearts like centered on the things that ultimately matter, right? Mm -hmm. The gospel is the answer uh, to the world's problems. Uh, The kingdom of Jesus Christ is going to prevail over all the other kingdoms that rise and fall. And so um, we, we have a, we have a lot of confidence. We have a winning playbook. Um, We have the king of the universe on our side. Like we, we need to just, we need to stay the course, stay on mission, keep our priorities straight. Um, because that's the work that's ultimately going to change the world. I agree. Um, Chicago needs the good news of Jesus. They need the love of Christ lived out in word and deed. Um, they need the church to be the church and not get sidetracked into all this other noise. Um, all the politicians want to mobilize the church toward their ends. And um, we, need to, we need to vote, but then we need to get right back on mission 
and uh, give our primary energy and heart to the things that Jesus has called us to. It seems like I remember there being a story, and I know there would have to be a good one. Here you are, you're out in Washington as a pastor of a church out there. What was it like getting a call to pray and consider to come to Chicago uh, <laughs> and, and to step into the role that you've stepped into? Yeah. Well, it was an interesting story. Uh, so I had been out there as a pastor for like two and a half years, and, um, and I got a call through a mutual friend connected, whatever, um, from the people that were managing this, the search, um, at Moody church, uh, to consider coming to be the pastor or be a, a candidate to be, uh, considered at the Moody church. And I, at first I was overwhelmed and obviously very flattered, like good grief. Like I'm a nobody. Why, how, how did they even find me, you know, that kind of thing. Arguably um, one of the most popular, well-known churches in oh, all of America. Sure. And well-known to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a high regard for the Moody Church. And so, um, so I, I received this call. At first I was very, you know, um, like, wow, good grief. But then at the end of the day, as I prayed about it, I, was, I did not have any peace. I, I had just said yes to this church. I was only there for two and a half years. I thought I can't in any good conscience you know, leave what, what I've started here. I'm, I'm not done and I can't be distracted. So I, I told him no. And then a year later they called back and they said, Hey, we, we've looked at a couple of people. We're just circling back around. Are you still where you were a year ago? And oh I said, my. well, I'm, I'm a little more interested than a year, a year ago because it's been longer, but frankly, I don't feel released. Um, and uh, they said, well, okay, okay. So we kind of cut, cut bait again. So that's number two. That's number two. And then a couple more years go by. And um, I get a, another call from another totally different related group that um, is now involved in the search process and had no history. And they called me out of the blue through another contact. And they said, we'd like to talk to you about the Moody Church. And I said, are you kidding me? Like, like do you know the history? They said, no. And I... I caught them up to speed, and, I, and they said, well, that's very fascinating. Like, and, and I looked at my wife. I said, who gets three invitations over four years to consider something? Like, that's crazy. I, Especially we, after you turned them down twice. <laughs> they just wouldn't take no for an answer. I'm There's so, a lot of faith going on I'm there so, in their well, part. Well, and it just shows you that, that God will do what he wants to do. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I think that was the key for us. Like my wife and I, we just through the process, we were like, God just confirmed it again and again and again. And we said, wow, okay, if God's in this as scary, as unknown as it is, we've, we've got to say yes. That's just so great. And to have that in your wife as well, her, her faith level uh, was what was going on in her, let's say time number one and number two. (laughs) You know, similar dynamics. I think she she was the first two times she was like, this is weird. Like, that's, that's not going to happen. Like, what a fluke. Um, the third time around, she was like, this, maybe God's doing something, you know. Yeah. One of the factors for her, Mike, was that um, her family's out there. And so we, we she had, oh, she had yeah. grandma, we had grandma and grandpa with the grandbabies. We had, we had, we had family right around. And so it was, it was, um. It was not just a move. It was also a bit of a separation from, from her family. That was the hardest part for us. Um, but we knew, again, when God calls, you gotta, you got to follow. And I think that is so <laughs> exciting. And there is nothing really more gratifying, I think, for a, a pastor to know that his wife is there with him and that this is 
As, as big of a move as that had to be, uh, number one, you're going across, halfway across the country anyway, to a very different, but like you said, big and well-known, and I'm sure that you had to deal with a little bit of that daunting nature of the role. Yeah, you know, I've talked to Pastor Lutzer about this, and there's a sense at Moody Church where it never feels like it's your church. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of pastors, you know, they, the, maybe the ministry grows up around them, their, their communication gifts, their writing, whatever, and so it sort of builds a movement, a, a church movement around a personality, and so it kind of feels like, well, that's that's their church, you know, in a sense. It's always God's church, but you can see how that starts to feel like a person's church, you know. Yeah. At Moody Church, it's, first it's named after D.L. Moody, right? He didn't care anymore, but <laughs> but uh, it's it's got somebody else's name on it. And then I'm the seventeenth senior pastor, which means a lot of people have come and go gone, and uh, in a sense, it's like it's never really yours. You're a steward of something else that's bigger than you that God's doing in the world and in history. And you get to contribute for a season and you do your best to leave it better than the way you got it. But it's like that pulpit isn't really your pulpit and it's not really your church. And even the office I sit in, it, it's like I'm here for a while and then somebody else will be here. Mm-hmm. Just like it used to be Warren Wearsby was sitting right there, you yeah, know, but, right. but it, not anymore. And so there's a sense in which you know I don't know that the Moody Church is big enough that it sort of humbles you into, I think, health where you you just don't you don't feel like it, you're, you're never quite as um, out from with under you know, out from under that authority of the the institution, if you will. And yeah. So I think it's really humbling and healthy at, in that structure and um, just grateful to be there and be of help while I can and do the best I can and contribute and let the gospel go forth and sow those seeds of the gospel and, and see what God does. Well, this week, you take the pulpit for the Moody Church Hour. Yeah. And that is on the weekend and all friends you have to do to make sure you don't miss it is to go to the website, look on the menu bar for the program guide and uh, in all of our stations, You'll find the Moody Church Hour there a couple of times over the weekend. And so you want to miss that. Don't want to miss that. Philip Miller is my guest today with me right here from the Moody Church and uh, the senior pastor. And I would just love to say, man, congratulations on what you're doing. I look forward to listening to that this weekend myself. And thank you for coming by. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your support. We love the partnership we have in the gospel here uh, with your station. And thanks for all that you do. We're grateful. It's our joy. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. If you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3578. My guest here is Barry McGuire. He was the speaker uh, about a, uh, two years ago for the Seminole County uh, Prayer Breakfast. And that event 
uh, was the first time that I was aware of the success of this man's business. Uh, he is he's known uh, for a lot of the car industry, especially products that would be sold at some of our fine stores around the area. We're just about all of them. Yeah, uh, and that's a God thing. Uh, my grandfather started our business in 1901. Wow. 1901. As a furniture polish, there were not a lot of cars in those days. No, so no. <laughs> he started as a furniture polish. He was obsessed with creating a perfect finish on black lacquer furniture. Yeah. Uh, but his products were quickly being used on, on horseless carriages. Over half of the horseless carriages in America were made in Indiana. They paint them all with black lacquer. Now, I'm from Indiana. There you are. You what, didn't what, know what, a little known fact for that you. Is, that <clears> is, I, it is a little known yeah. fact. And so he... Uh, his, his business became a carriage polish business without his permission. He moved out to California in 1913 and um, began selling uh, paint shops, body shops, that kind of thing in the early stages. And uh, I get out of college in, night, in the 1960s, and uh, the family business, third, now I'm now third generation, uh, after oh, 60 is so years great. is doing about $600,000 a year. We're buffing cars in garages. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to car shows because I'm a car guy, and I find our products, wherever I went in America, our products are being used by the best cars. And I inquired on that and found out that the top painters, custom painters for these trick paint shows, yeah. were all using our products and gave our product away to, and told them, keep this paint looking like this with Meguiar's products. So I saw that as an opportunity to go into retail. God kept nudging me to do it. I knew it was him saying, I said, well, God, I don't know anything about retail. I know nothing whatsoever. I know how to buff a car, so I know. So I kept <laughs> feeling the urge. And I said, okay, God, this is easy for me because my favorite scripture is uh, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust the Lord Trust with your in whole the Lord. heart and yeah. don't depend on your own understanding. I said, this is easy for me. I have no understanding. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Mm. And so I'm just going to rest on you. And now we have a 38% market share of the number one selling car wax, and it's all been God for the last 60 years. Uh, it's, it's a whole other story. But in the midst of all that, um, I was raised a Christian Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all that. Uh, Karen and I were their young kids, and we're giving and our time and resources or whatever. We had no joy. <clears throat> we noticed that. We were dry. We weren't having, having fun. And we, what's some, there's something missing that we don't know. So we started praying for that. And God introduced me to a man who was just overflowing with joy, and he, and it was coming from him sharing his faith. He just shared his faith continuing. He was a high-end guy in the, in the governor, uh, governor Reagan's administration, but he didn't talk about that at all. He just talked about talking every, to everybody about the Lord. I, that's, God, I want that joy. And so we started doing it, and, and within a short period of time, I mean like two or three weeks, we were laughing one day. We said, wait a minute. We have joy. It just happened automatically. Wow. So then we discovered this wonderful verse. It's the last parable Jesus gave in the garden about the, the, the branches and the leaves. And if you look at that back, he says, when you bear fruit, you're the branch. Now, most of us are not bearing fruit. Only 1% of us are sharing our faith. Mm -hmm. He says, but when you bear fruit, when you bear Christians, my joy remain with you and your joy. Or made full. We'll be made full. Wow. Right. And so we've had joy for 50 years and we have so much fun and we live for that. I was also going to leave my ministry and go into, leave my business, go into ministry. I was, I was thinking that's what God wants to do. And I prayed, actually, you know what? It's like the most fervent prayer of my life. I just said, God, if you want me to leave my business, I'll leave it. 
immediately, but I need to know almost with an audible voice. Yeah. And that 20 minutes later, God uh, sent uh, Dave McNutt into my office, uh, a guy I'd never met before, didn't know him at all, grew up in the mission field, um, knew us by rep- reputation. Yeah, I was in the area, thought I'd stop by, see how it's going. I started sharing my stories about sharing my faith. I figured he's a, he's a missionary kid, he doesn't care about car wax and shiny cars. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me seriously, he says, God's given you a wonderful ministry here, hadn't he? And I said, why would you say that? He uh. said, well, a pastor can never reach the people you're telling me about, <laughs> only, only, only as a businessman. And he gave me this, this was 1976. It's obvious that your business is your pulpit. That mm. changed my life. That changed my life. And Barry, then, that's amazing. And then from from then to now, I've seen my business. I love my business. I work very hard for my business, but it's not my God. God's yeah. my God. Yeah. And I see it more importantly as a pulpit than sharing, selling my product. If the buyer turned me down, my joy came from, can I move this guy closer to Jesus? And even though he would turn me down, I'd say, I understand, and, and I hope to earn your trust someday, but just want you to know you're, you do an awesome job here. God bless you. And uh, someday I hope I can earn your trust. Wow! And so, if if you're if you're if you're sharing your faith, you're living for God's purpose. His purpose is seek and save the lost. Yeah. Romans eight twenty eight. We miss that. All things work together for good for those who love me. But I'll also finish by saying, to those who love me, then he explains what that means. To those who live for my purpose, his purpose is seek and save the lost. So when we do that, he promises everything becomes good, even the bad stuff. And so I, I had so much bad stuff happen to me. I mean, I had a joint venture partner trying to take over my business. I was dying in the hospital at one time. I lost my 49-year-old. I mean, I've had a lot of bad stuff happen to me. But it didn't take your joy away. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. No, it, it increased our joy. And and God has used every one of those events to shape caring in me into yeah where we are today. We thank God for every bad thing that happened to us, for every bad thing, because he's used every one of them for his glory, for good. You know, it's sad when I, especially when I talk to somebody like you, because I think most believers today, their joy meter is maybe at an all-time low. <laughs> it is. They're not doing it too is. great, are they? No, and it's really the happiness meter. You know, we can be happy and unhappy every ah, day. Good point. Joy never leaves you, but yeah. how do you get joy? That's the point. And yeah. that's the point of the book, Ignite Your Life, because a couple of things happen. First off, let's talk about this. We'll, we'll just, I know it will take a lot of your time. Your time is precious. But, you know, 80% of Christians are living in fear. of Christians in America are living in fear. Well, if you're living in fear, you're not living in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But also without faith, you can't share your faith. So I'd say Satan has sterilized the church Mm. today to the point that only 1% of us are sharing our faith. When 90% of the people around us are lost, they're not going to church. We're their only hope, and we're not sharing. That's that's tragic. It is tragic. tragic. And this is so important for us all because of the fact that people are today, they're, they're more divided. The oh. churches, the, the people oh. in the church, I don't want to uh, impugn churches, but the peop- so many people in the church are living below the level of where the Lord wants and, them and to shaking, live with joy. Yeah, and they're living in fear and they're shaking their fists. And they're as upset as the world is yeah. and what's going on, which we need to be upset about it. But our response to that is God's in control. And if our focus is on our issues, see, we we take these issues. It could be abortion. It could be homeless. It could be the poor. It could be whatever. They're very important issues, and we need to fight for them, seriously. But we tend as Christians today 
adopt one of those issues and fight to the death to mm-hmm. try to change it. Maybe with clenched teeth. And, and not treating yeah. your, the, the opposition with respect and yeah. getting them mad. That's the opposite. That's We're supposed to be loving them yeah. and, and helping them take the scales off their eyes. The only way that happens is to lead them to the Lord. So that's our mission on earth. There's nothing more important than that. Jeremiah, he says, before I set you in your mother's womb, I set you apart to be my spokesman, right? So the bigger thing is, how do you get out of fear? How do you have wholehearted faith? We, we try to conjure it up. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. But in the end, we, don't, we still are worrying. Well, if that happens, his, his promise to answer our prayers in James 1, he says, I'll answer your prayers, but don't waver, right? If you're, if you're praying and worrying at the same time, that's wavering. Don't expect to receive anything from me. That's right. So we can't expect him to answer prayers without wholehearted faith. Uh, the the uh, Proverbs 5 scripture I love, um, the director says, trust me with your whole heart. So this wholehearted thing is the bedrock essential ingredient. How do we get to wholehearted faith? He tells us, this is, this is incredible because I've been doing this for 50 years and I found all the scriptures. This one's incredible. You know, there's one scripture where he says why. Why we're to share our faith. It has secondarily to do with the lost. Secondarily. In Isaiah 43.10, he says, I, I appoint you as my witness so that you will believe. Not them. Right. You. Because when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you and incidentally, Mark 13, I got all the scripture, forgive me, but Mark 13, 11 says, don't prepare. And Luke 12, 12 says, I'll give you the words to say when yeah. you need them. So if you just take all the pressure off and just talk and love on people, they open up, they'll tell your needs, and then the Holy Spirit gives you scriptures you haven't thought of for years, and you find God speaking through you. There's nothing else in the human experience that rivals God's. I'd pedal car wrecks. I said, God, I'd pedal car wrecks. You just used me to change that life. I mean, that sets you, it ignites your life. It That's literally it. ignites your life. So, you know, I've seen book titles by mm-hmm. authors before, mm-hmm. and I've wondered if that represented them yeah. as an author. <laughs> Barry, I got to tell you, Ignite Your Life. You've ignited me, my man. This wow. is just awesome. Well, I'll give you one last scripture because we're almost out of time. You know, uh, Paul spoke to Thess- Thessalonians. It's First uh, Thessalonians, second chapter, 19th verse. He's saying, when I stand, when I see Jesus face to face, what will be my joy? He's telling the people that he's led to the Lord. Yeah. Said, what will be my joy? He says, what will be my crown? What will be my reward? This is what life's all about. What gives us that crown, that reward? He says, it is you. Wow. You are my crown and my reward in heaven mm. for eternity. Why would we not be doing this? It gives us wholehearted faith. He'll answer our prayers. We know it. He'll direct our steps. He'll make all things good. He'll give us joy every day. And he'll give us a crown of, of, of ex, ex, exuberation we can't even begin to imagine in heaven. Why would we not do it? Because we're looking at it as, I'm going to be persecuted. I don't know. How. We have all these excuses. Yeah. That's all they Got are, our folks. eyes on the wrong things. It's just excuses. Get off the bench and get and start doing it. So Ignite Your Life. It's on Amazon.com. You can get the book easily. And, uh, and I don't make any money off the book. It's just pure. It's, it's all scripture. Everything there is backed up by scripture. And it will ignite your life, folks. It's just really I believe amazing. It. It's done it for you, my friend. <laughs> and for, for many others. And so uh, we have just launched today at Ignite Your Life Bible Study. 
So let me start and go back just for a second. Our website is igniteamerica.com. Igniteamerica.com. You can get everything about us on Ignite, my podcast, everything on igniteamerica.com. If you go there now, you'll see we just announced today our new Ignite uh, Your Life Bible Study. And it's nine studies. I tell you what, if you go through those nine studies, it's a digital download. You can have it free. If you get through these nine studies, you will be a faith-sharing fanatic. You I have love it, it. You'll have your life uh, ignited. For Man, sure. I'm really have. I'm so happy <laughs> I got to meet you. You know, you talked about joy being from the Lord, and yeah. you were right. You said happiness is what a lot of people confuse joy yeah, for. It's totally different. And happiness totally different. is only tied to happenings. Yeah. But yeah, joy exactly. is from the Lord. Joy is for the Lord, and it's and it's permanent, no matter what. And I can tell you, folks, I was losing my business. I lost a forty-nine-year daughter that that was my alter ego. I mean, she was everything to me. She's a faith-sharing machine. You know, um, we've had so many things. I had a joint venture partner take over my board and was throwing me out of my business. Okay, hundred-year-old family business. I'm sixty-five years old. I have no hope. You know what I did? I said, God, I ask you for nothing. Because of two things. One, you know I live for your purpose every day. You know that. And secondly, I know you honor your word. You said, if I honor your purpose, you'll make everything good. And that next morning, God embarrassed my joint venture partner in about eight minutes. And their foul language, GD this and F this, they were so furious. They couldn't stop it. God could only, I just broke out laughing. It works, folks. The scriptures are true. They work. And I've been through 50 years. Of, of the business world, applying it to business. I love it. And and um, boy, he's he never fails. Wow. He's always there. But the key is from from when he places us in the womb to when we get to heaven. The, the, it's it's the great commission. Yep. Okay. That's why there's a reason it's the great commission. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Go right. Go in the world and tell people about Jesus. And and if we don't do that, we're running out of time. We're running out of time, and they're lost. Don't hate them. They're lost. They have an excuse. They're lost. Right. And they're only going to learn it from us. And so we have responsibility. We have responsibility. Call to be people. witnesses for him. One person at a time. Move everybody. Yeah. Every that's day. It. Closer to Jesus. <laughs> Barry McGuire. That is M-E-G-U-I-A-R. Yes. Give us that website one more time. Okay. Thank you for asking. It's igniteamerica.com. And that will give you the whole enchilada. You get everything about us there on the igniteamerica.com. Well, you are one of the happiest, <laughs> smiling people I've seen this week. Oh, my. Oh, my. And First I the mean week it. just started. Well, no. Uh, it's been going for a while for yeah, me now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great to have you on my you're program, awesome. Barry. Love, love, your, love your program. Love your heart. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate you, you, Barry. God bless you. I'm here at the NRB with one of my friends that I've really enjoyed getting to know over the last couple of years. Alex McFarland is one of these guys that travels the world, and he is an apologist, he is a speaker, he is an author, he's a radio expert and a television expert when it comes to all things culture and religion. Alex, it is great to have you. Uh, Mike, thank you for having me. It's, I, I appreciate you so much, and it's great to be back with you again. But we were talking about something, and I'm a bit of a nerd. Maybe a geek is a better way. That would be um, a little bit more palatable. That's Mr. Geek to you, Mike. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a nerd. Uh, you know, I grew up fiddling with electronics, and uh, you and I were talking about, because we're of a certain 
certain age, there was a wonderful, wonderful place called Radio Shack. Radio Shack. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, man. I loved them. Yeah. You know, listen, their, their website still exists, and, and they sell electronic stuff online. But I was traveling. I was in Carthage, Mississippi, speaking at First Baptist Church. Much to my pleasant surprise, there's a Radio Shack. And I went in there, and they had a lot of older stuff. And this is this year? Or? Uh, this is, I'm going to say two years ago. Okay, well, it's still but pretty recent. It's still there. Yeah. And then another city in my home state of North Carolina, Siler City, North Carolina, a little bitty town, there is still a Radio Shack there. So um, yay for us uh, guys who know what a, a soldering iron is. <laughs> Well, do you know, I'm, I'm old enough. I grew up, I would go to Radio Shack, and I bought a kit. I made an AM radio from a kit. I was about 12 years old, and, you know, you <laughs> solder it together, and it actually worked. And you know what? I, you know, I love that stuff, and um, years later, you know, after I became a Christian and got on the radio and traveled with a lot of gear that you have to assemble it and then sometimes repair it, um, so it's it's good. Our life experiences God uses ultimately for what we're going to do for the gospel, doesn't He? We had uh, no helmets, no. It's just <laughs> the the grace of God. We lived <laughs> until right. adulthood, isn't it? Really? Oh, I know it. Uh, I uh, wish I had more time in this segment. We'll be with you again on another day from the NRB here, uh, Alex McFarland. Thank you for talking about some things that really warm the heart and really cause me some have some serious nostalgic moments here but that's what it does i'll be back in a moment this is afternoons with mike the shepherd radio network is thrilled to work with the ramsey show to bring our listeners an opportunity to win ramsey smart tax e-filing software and a copy of dave's the momentum theorem our very own mike gillen will be hosting a meet and greet and prize collection on wednesday march 6th at drivers mart winter park from 2 to 6 p.m some of you may even join Mike on the air. To enter, go to theshepherdradio.com, click on Enter to Win, and fill out the form for your chance to win. We'll see you Wednesday, March 6th at Drivers Mart Winter Park from 2 to 6 p.m. Ryan Brown from Open Doors is with us, and this is a ministry that watches and puts out words for what's going on in the world today. My goodness, there's a lot going on in there the world today. There certainly is. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome so. to my program. Thank you. Yeah, it's truly an honor to be here with you today. Tell me a little bit about your role at Open Doors. Great. So I have the, the privilege of overseeing the U.S. office of Open Doors, serve as the president and CEO. Um, and we are a ministry that comes alongside persecuted believers, uh, working in about 70 countries around the globe. Uh, and we've got just about 70 years worth of history as well. Uh, many of your listeners might be familiar with Brother Andrew. Oh, um, yeah. The, the book God Smuggler. Oh, the Smuggler, yeah. Yes. Bringing uh, contraband Bibles in. <laughs> exactly. And that, uh, that effort back in you know, 1955, smuggling Bibles behind the, the Iron Curtain, gave birth to this ministry. And, you know, persecution looks different in different contexts around the globe. And so, therefore, our response looks different in different contexts around the globe as well. Ryan, what is it like today in this day of technology where it's a lot different than when Brother Andrew was out there doing that? Yeah, certainly The is. world has changed, even checkpoints changed. With all that's out there in tech today, how is it that you guys are, are able to minister, keep up with, track all the stuff that's going on in persecution? Yeah, so I think that's with the changing in the advancements in technologies like facial recognition and all of these types of things that that's where it's so important to have these 
on the ground relational networks, uh, networks uh, these connections and uh, networks of, of believers. And so with, with 70 years worth of history, we, we have the, the privilege of having the, these networks, uh, many of them still covert around yeah. the globe, uh, working and present. And so that's um, you know, a vital part of the, the ministry and the work that we do. You know, the, the reality is that a lot of the people who serve that way with you, they put their life on the line. Absolutely. In, in, in no uh, n- non-literal term. I mean, it's literally very dangerous for them. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we are coming alongside the, the church in the, in the local context. And I think one of the things that I just find so humbling to believe is that, you know, um, if you work for an organization that, you know, alleviates poverty, you know, that the, the goal is to, to end poverty. But as we come alongside the believers in these contexts, they're not praying that persecution ends. They're not praying to, to be taken out of persecution. They're, they're praying that they can remain faithful in their witness to Christ within the context of that persecution. Right. And so, what? Well, yes, absolutely, we, we do those things to advocate for, for rights and, and those types of things to uh, stand up uh, and allow justice to... Um, you know, to, to advocate for, for those that are being persecuted for their faith. But we also just come alongside and support as, as you know, local believers are seeking to be the hands and feet of Christ right there in the context of their persecution. You know, we carry the voice of martyrs on this, mm-hmm. our, our, our uh, radio stations. And I know that I'm hearing regularly stories because real faith, it takes real faith, number one, to be in some of these countries. And I know you guys have a watch list. We do. So tell us about that. Uh, the the I can only imagine the the effect it has on the team putting this list together to realize what they're re- actually reporting when they give a report. Yeah. So uh, the Open Doors World Watch List uh, it's now in its 31st year of existence, and in that list, every year we rate the countries, uh, the 50 countries around the globe where Christians most suffer persecution and discrimination for their faith. Um, it. Uh, you know, some of the trends that we have seen in, in recent years, certainly you see uh, an increase in violence uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, you take a country like Nigeria and, and more people martyred uh, this last year because of their faith in Nigeria than all other countries in, in the globe combined. Um, and, you know, to your point, yes, absolutely. It, it does take uh, courage to stand in the midst of that. Um, well, thank you for doing that because I think it helps people have a an idea of what they're praying for and i know that we all should be praying more than i think we do but uh, it's not like what we in america get to enjoy every day they're again out there serving the lord loving the lord the same lord that we have absolutely but uh in what, much more dangerous conditions and you're absolutely correct the, the thing that they most ask for is that we, we lift them up in prayer that, yeah that they not be forgotten that they that we remember that we are part of one body it's not a persecuted church and a, and a free church it's just one church uh, we're the, the, the church of christ what is the one area that you guys have worked in maybe uh, in the recent days or months that would be different than what you had done before. What are you seeing change? Yeah, I think you know that those the trends that we see certainly the rise in those uh, authoritarian regimes um, more and more of that, like North Korea, which you know again this year tops the list as it has for for most of the years yeah. uh, that the, the watch list has been in existence. Um, you continue to see more and more countries beginning to take from that type of a playbook, um, looking to. Um, you know, see the, the presence of Christians in the church as uh, a threat to the, the, the rule of laws, as a, as a threat to the state. 
Um, so that is certainly a trend that we've seen emerge in recent years. Again, that, that trend of, of the violence in sub-Saharan Africa, um, where you take many countries that are already in a fragile state, yeah. um, and uh, you know Christians can be easy targets for persecution in there from those instigators that are looking to destabilize uh, through, through acts of violence. And so uh, Christians uh, already, in many cases, a despised minority, um, you know, are afforded very few protections in those types of contexts. We all know that North Korea is not a safe place to even wander under their property. Where right. would you've mentioned also Ni- uh, Nigeria, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would be surprised at that report. I don't think most people realize that Nigeria has quite the level of danger that it does. Where else do you guys look at as being something that is in real need of prayer? Yeah. Um, and uh, real quick, I'm glad that you mentioned that prayer because as we put out the World Watch List, it's not just an information resource. It is something that, you know, certainly we, we highlight the realities on the ground there. But for each and every one of those countries, we also offer specific prayer, report, oh, prayer that's points. Good. Because that, that should be the response yeah. that, uh, you know, if, if we're just aware, that awareness should drive us to our knees. Uh, we should be lifting up our brothers and sisters uh, before the throne room of heaven. And so uh, as far as you know, other countries on the list, I mean, I, I, the, the top 10, you take a look at uh, North Korea, number one, Somalia, number two, Libya, number three, Eritrea, number four, uh, Yemen, uh, number five, yeah. Nigeria, number six. Yeah. So a lot of the Middle East countries in, in the top five, but then there's Nigeria. Correct. So that's, that's Well, tell us how we can find out more about Open Doors. What website? So I would encourage folks to go to opendoorsus.org. And on there, you will see information about the World Watch List and all sorts of prayer resources um, available for download. Anything exciting, uh, extraordinary coming from NRB for you? Yeah, it's uh, been wonderful to to make all sorts of connections and folks that you never expected that you were going to bump into here that you're able to to see. So I I know you've been a very busy man. Oh, (laughs) yes, I have been. And I walked right by Mike Huckabee, and he was in a uh, conversation, wasn't even able to stop and talk with him. But you never know who you're going to bump into here. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's really I actually even ran into my neighbor that I didn't even know was going to be here. All so, right. Well, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so it's, uh, whether it be the Mike Huckabees or your next-door neighbor. That's you right. Jump, run into everybody here. Ryan, thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate I the really, honor. Thank you. The person that I've had on my program a number of times is Joel Noble. Joel is with one of the, the favorite companies of, uh, of the— my whole radio uh, career with in terms of interviewing people, Samaritan Ministries is something that really for us was a lifesaver. It was something that helped my family, my wife and I. We used it for a number of years, and it is great to have Joel Noble, who is one of the leaders of this great ministry. For the second time, I get to have a face-to-face with you, my friend. Well, I'm glad to be here. It's always great to be face to face. Yes, it is. So tell me what is happening with with Samaritan in 2024 that might be different than what we've talked about before. Absolutely. So one of the things that uh, I do in my role uh, with public policy is um, work on what we call safe harbor laws, which clarifies in insurance codes that we're not insurance, but in fact, a ministry. And I am happy to announce, uh, actually here in Tennessee, that uh, probably in the next week, Governor Lee will be signing our 32nd safe harbor, clarifying in the Texas Insurance Code that we're not insurance. And then hopefully a couple weeks after that, we'll have uh, West Virginia 
uh, signed. So we'll add two more safe harbors. So that's pretty exciting. That is exciting. Now, this whole thing about we're not insurance. Absolutely. That's still to a lot of people today. They don't really understand that. I mean, insurance, the concept of insurance has been around forever, it seems. At least all of our lifetimes. But this concept of sharing is a refreshingly different and to a lot of people still a new technique yeah absolutely we're definitely uh, an insurance-minded community whether it be car insurance home insurance or even health insurance but as you mentioned health insurance is really a fairly new concept came about during the second world war and before that what we're doing at Samaritan member to member was really how folks took care of their health care needs especially expensive ones communities came together and, and helped folks even before that, you go back to the book of Acts with the early believers sharing uh, with each other. That's right. You know, in history, those of us that had actual government yeah. and history classes that told the early story of America, we know that barn raisings was an example of where a community would come together and help what would be for one person, if not impossible, close to it, uh, of a task. And with health care... Rising up, I mean, you know, we all know that the Affordable Act, uh, Affordable Care Act is anything but affordable. Yeah. With that being the case, the rule out there today, something like Samaritan really makes a difference for a lot of people. Yeah, it does. And uh, besides being very affordable, um, it gives our members a decision in their health care um, dollars. So, I mean, I told the story before about taking my son in the emergency room, and I had a choice between two hospitals. And in the middle of the night, I chose the one that I thought was better for him because it had a pediatric ER, and I made the decision as father. So it wasn't my employer, you know, that was driving the insurance, wasn't the government. Hang on. We even saw it in our own family with my son, uh, had to go to the ER in the middle of the night. And I had a choice between two different hospitals, and I made the decision to choose the one that had a pediatric ER that was exclusively for kids. And so I was able to make that decision as his dad, and it wasn't my employer, it wasn't the government who was controlling the insurance. It was me having complete control of my health care dollars. And that has been one of the things we hear a lot from our members is having control of that and also what their health care dollars pay for. It is always great, Joel, to see you. Thank you for dropping by. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Joel Noble from Samaritan Ministries. That about does it for me today from Nashville at the NRB. I'll be back next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.